This is the PKD Black Box, episode 11. This week's episode of the PKD Black Box is brought to you by the Zuda comic War of the Woods by Matthew Petz. War of the Woods is a classic alien invasion story told from an entirely unique point of view, that of the animals of the New Jersey Pine Barrens. War of the Woods is an epic adventure along the lines of The Road, Lord of the Rings, and Aliens. It follows the quiet moments of survival and the explosive moments of a planet on the brink. At its core, it is about a father and son and the bonds we all share during extraordinary times. You can check out War of the Woods by Matthew Petz at ZudaComics.com. Once again, that's Zudacomics.com. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor, a.k.a. Stan Leroy. Today's episode, Donnie Salvo of the Reality Wasted Podcast returns as we talk about some books that we're currently reading right now. So you can kind of say it's a book club episode, um, comics and whatnot. Also, we have a little debate about um, certain artists when they hop on our favorite runs of a uh, comic book title, how it can sometimes take a turn for the worse or maybe for the better. But before we get started with that, i got a couple of things that I want to talk to you about. To all my comic peeps, there's a comic book I want you to get familiar with. It's a one-shot book called The Curse. It's by creator-artist Mike Norton. For those of you not familiar with Mike Norton, Mike Norton has done work on such books for DC as The All-New Adam. He's also done work on Green Arrow, Black Canary. He's also done work for various companies doing stuff like G.I. Joe, Gravity, uh, Hack Slash, JSA Presents Green Lantern, Metamorpho Year One, Marvel Adventures Spider-Man, Teen Titans Go, Superman Confidential, Queen of Country. Wonderful artist, really, really good dude. He's got a book called The Curse. It's a one-shot. If you buy the book from dcbservice.com, you get a free signed Battle Pug print from creator Mike Norton. Here's the purpose of the story. Here's the whole premise. Crowley, the lead character, is a loser. No direction, no energy, and now no girl- girlfriend. It can't really get worse, can it? No, oh, it can one night he walks his pug, Crowley is attacked by a pirate zombie. That's all I'm going to say. You got to read the rest. It is freaking hilarious. It's vulgar. It's beautiful to look at. Mike Norton's artwork is just off the chain. You got to peep this book. Seriously, you have to. It's only $2.79. It's a one-shot comic. It's called The Curse. You can get it on dcbservice.com. In the search header, just type The Curse. Or check our show notes. I have a link for it. For three bucks, you can't beat it. Mike Norton is a really good dude. He is one hell of an artist. And I love seeing original creator-owned stuff by you know by these cats. So definitely, if you get a chance, you might still be able to find the 24-hour comic book. Because this is a 24-hour comic. Mike Norton penciled and inked and put all this together in 24 hours during the yearly 24-hour comic uh, marathon. It was on the internet for a good period of time. It's worth every penny, pick up or pre-order a copy of The Curse. Starting next week, I will make a vow to at least on a bi-weekly basis 
talk about at least one webcomic on the PKD Black Box. I feel that now more than ever, there has been a boom. This has been going on for a while, a boom of the four webcomics. And there are so many different kinds to choose from and various genres and entities. And there are some really beautiful and great webcomics uh, out there. And I think they need to they need to be discussed. They need to be talked about. They need to be known about. So at least every other week from here on out, I will be discussing a webcomic because they, like print comics, are comics as well. You might not be able to hold them in your hand, but they are telling you a story. The only difference is, is that they're on your computer you know, instead of your hand. But if you have them on your iPod, then technically it's in your hand anyway. But that's not the point. The whole point is, is that I want to give some love to the people that hustle every single day or every other day or on a weekly basis to put out web comics um, and content for the people. And I think they need their due. So very soon, I'm going to be talking about them. The first one I'll talk about next week will be Lack of Daisy Cats by Tracy J. Butler. So be prepared for that next week. The PKD Black Box will return after this message. How many times has the thought crossed your mind that the only people reading comics are 40-year-old white dudes? Well, I'm here to break that wall down. Hello, everybody. My name is Alec Barry, and I am the host of Teenage Wasteland, a solo cast each and every week showcasing my experiences growing old with comic books, movies, and music. You can find my show at TeenageWastelandPodcast.blogspot.com or you can go over to the comic forums at thecomicforums.com and find the show thread. You can also find the show in iTunes and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Alec underscore Barry. I hope that you all join in and listen and I will see you on the boards. This is my biggest issue sometimes with some of these, you know, with, with some, you know, licensed properties outside of the Marvel and DCU. Because Marvel characters and DC characters are also licensed properties. But anytime you deal with licensed properties that come from cartoons and movies, Sometimes you'll get that art that it's I just expect more or I expect the same level I get out of reading a top notch comic from somebody else. Right. It, it wasn't Al Milgram art. And I, then I'd be really disappointed. But um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you know, I should not I should not pot shot uh, Al Milgram like that. But he hurt my heart after he took over the Hulk after John Byrne left and John Byrne left, you know, with like that real big story and back in the eighties and I was all excited and then I'll go pick up the next <laughs> and then I go pick up the next issue and I see Al Milgram art and it just hurt me because it just took me out of the story. And then, you know, I, I was excited because, you know, Secret Wars 2 was coming out with John Byrne covers. And I open up the book and it's Al Milgram artwork. I'm like, oh, no, he's probably just in for the first issue. It'll get better. No, he was there for the whole run. You know what? I'm calling bullshit. I, you know what? What? You know how many projects Marvel had him doing at that point in time in his career? You're yeah. lucky he didn't get stick figures. <laughs> Yo, man, look, Sal Buscema. Sal Buscema could draw and lay out seven books a month, and they look good. But not everybody is Sal Buscema. I agree with that. <laughs> and I know everybody's not Sal Buscema, and Al Milgram's a perfect example of that. <laughs> I'm for real, man. Look, you put Al Milgram on inks, I'm good, okay? I'm good. I don't mind his inking, but his art, it just... You have to put Al Milgram on the right project in order for it to shine. Some people, man, you put them on anything and it shines. But that dude, man... It, he's a funny guy, nice person, 
but I'm sorry, I just could not feel it. It's just like a West Coast Avengers. I remember getting that limited series as a kid with the Bob Hall interiors. Cool story. Then they become a team. First issue, I run the comic book store. Big-ass Al Milgram cover. Iron, the Silver Centurion Iron Man looked like an egghead in a metal shell. Hurt. Yeah, but you know what? You, you can't bra- blame him. That, that was just the armor. No, dude. No, man. Mark Bright made the Silver Centurion armor look off the chain. Off the chain. I do, man. Al, Al hurt me. I, you know, mad props to his work ethic, but he hurt me, though. But I'm sorry. I've once again derailed the show. What book do you have? I have, oh, I have The the Last Resort, number five, by Paul Miardi in gray. And this is their horror miniseries that they did through IDW. Wow. It ended, usually uh, a horror movie will have one survivor. And uh, this this one ends with uh, the destruction of New York City. <laughs> <laughs> so not only did they kill every every one of the main characters, they brought it back to the mainland and wrecked New York City. So uh, it's coming out, in tra- I think it's solicited this month's previews in trade. Pick it up. If you're into horror comics, with Palmiotti and Gray, you know the writing's not, you know, even their bad writing is good writing to me. You know what I mean? Who did the artwork for that book? <laughs> I'm going to butcher the hell out of this. Gian, Giancarlo Car- Caracuzzo. You like that? Put a little bit of a soprano flair on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the book that has the Darwin Cook covers, right? Yes. Yeah. Because I was kind of like, I heard good things about it, but then I I wasn't sure who was doing the interior. And I was like, all right, I cannot take a horror comic seriously if it's drawn like this. You know, nothing against Darwin Cook. But if the interiors look like these covers, I I wouldn't be able to take this book seriously. And then, you know, I looked inside. I said, okay, I'll give this a shot. And the interiors interiors are an entirely different game. It's not even reflective at all of what uh, Cook's doing? No, no, not, not even a little bit. I mean, it's a little bit more on the cartoony side than your average. I think the style fits fits the book if that makes any sense oh it makes perfect sense no that's good seen the trailer for the a-team no i don't want to it's scaring me i'm completely sold now is it true bruce willis is in this that that i don't know i know bruce willis has a cameo in the expendables is this the, is this the period now where hollywood has finally accepted liam neeson and will allow him to do anything i guess i'm glad though because i like liam neeson and now Liam Neeson is, like, everywhere. When I went to the movies to see Sherlock Holmes, he was in a trailer for Clash of the Titans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Release the Kraken. Yes, yeah, so I was like, yeah, that got me hyped. And now he's in the A-Team. They're talking about a sequel to Taken. <sighs> all types of crazy stuff. I'm, 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 I'm looking at the A-Team trailer again right now. I don't see any Bruce Willis, but I do see the van. Here we go. Ready? Bradley Cooper is face. Liam Neeson is Hannibal. Charlto Coplay as Howling Mad Murdoch. Jessica Biel as Lieutenant Sosa. Okay. Patrick Wilson as Lynch. Quentin Rampage Jackson as B.A. Baracus. Dirk Benedict. Dwight Schultz. So they just must be doing um cameos. Gerard, Gerald Mc. Rainey, Brian Bloom. Did you say Gerald McRaney? Major Dad? That's Gerald McRaney. He's playing General Morrison. 
And Neil Schneel is playing <laughs> Army Medic Hospital XO. He's you, playing a whole hospital. When you wa- when you watch the trailer, it is so over the top with better special effects. Oh, this looks awesome. I'm How so come f- Mr. T's not making a cameo? That's crazy. It, Mr. T was asked to make a cameo, and he said, thank you, but no thank you. He says, not out of ego, it's not out of pride. It's just that he said he respects what they're doing, but he just said no thank you. Yeah, I was I was surprised too. I was like, man, if we get a if we get a uh, Mr. T cameo, we might get Mr. T and the T Force on DVD finally. No, we we don't need that. Other, <laughs> there is no other. Don't you start singing that song? <laughs> don't you dare start singing. When that they song. when they played that on Half Hour Wasted, dude, I almost peed. Yeah, <laughs> only Brad can find songs like that, man. Stumptown is a new miniseries by Greg Rucka, art by Matthew Southworth, which is phenomenal. And it's a, it's a colored work from Oni Press, which you don't really get to see that often. And it's basically a love letter to 80s private eye sh- uh, TV shows. Rucka has come out and said this, and uh, reading this, you could tell. Is there a cameo by the Equalizer? No. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> no, but I think Scarecrow and Mrs. King's in the last issue. Oh, that's fantastic. I made that up. That's oh. not true. But yeah, it's about a female private eye who gets hired. She has a gambling problem, and the owner of a casino hires her to find her granddaughter. And if she does, then all her gambling debts are gone. She's taking care of her brother who has Down syndrome. But the problem is, is... This girl doesn't want to be found. She's involved with a quote-unquote mafia type in the area of uh, Portland. So all kinds of things happen to her. So it's, it's it's your basic like private eye story. Always in the wrong place at the wrong time type of thing. But I, I think the art is fantastic. The colors are fantastic. Now with the colors, is it more of like a one-tone, two-tone deal or is it just full-out color? It's uh, it's like a one-tone, two-tone deal. Okay. It's Yeah, it's not very like, you know, it's not like pop popping off the page or anything but uh, you don't really get a lot of color books on only press although i i can admit i can attest that one of their books um that actually i have a resurrection uh, issue one this is volume two of resurrection i picked this i picked up this and the uh, resurrection uh, free comic book day issue and uh, these are a little bit older because i'm always behind on my reading the resurrection issue zero is kind of like a prequel and issues in issue one of volume two basically picks up where the story left off from volume one issue zero was really cool because i've never read any resurrection books at all and basically the prequel gives you a setup of what's been going on and what's been happening or pretty much it's what's been happening i guess since the invade or after the invasion and then issue two i mean volume two issue one yeah that's right volume two issue one picks up right where the free comic book day issue left off so let me clarify if, if i'm reading this correctly you have volume one then free comic book day the Free Comic Book Day Resurrection, which picks up where Volume 1 left off and is a good jumping on point for everybody, and then Issue 1 from Volume 2. And I'm pretty caught up in the story. Basically, what Resurrection's about is, is that there's an alien invasion, pretty much annihilation, destruction, terror, mayhem, and all whatnot, and then suddenly everything stops. The ships, you know, just, they crash to the ground, but there are no aliens in the ships, and where did all the aliens go? Uh, you know, was this a hoax? Was this a, some type of government thing? 
who knows, but there's still a group of survivors that are trying to survive it all. And like, say, for instance, America is a totally jacked up place now. You have all these, you have a couple of different sects and cults and things of that nature. Very good book. It's written by Mark Guggenheim, who, who wrote uh, for TV's Eli Stone. And he's written a couple of comic books as well. I'm sure, like, yeah, Guggenheim also has uh, written a couple issues of Amazing Spider-Man. These two books alone, these two issues alone have here and by guaranteed that I will be picking up the trades of the Volume 1 Trader Resurrection, and I will be picking up the Volume 2 Trader Resurrection because the story is that good. Cool. I'll have to check it out. And I was really surprised that Resurrection Volume 2 was full color. I mean, the Volume 2 issue 1 was full color. Color job is really nice, and the art is by Justin Greenwood. His art is it's pretty familiar to a couple of cats that like I've worked with you know, over the past couple of years. It's really nice. The colors are great. I, it's, a, it's a really cool story. It, it's a good read. to give a quick shout out to world's finest number three of four it's written by sterling gates this issue was done by jamal eigel i just have to say jamal's art is just getting stronger and stronger now the, is, i'm sorry I don't, don't mean to cut you off is this the issue with a supergirl and batgirl the first supergirl batgirl team up indeed sweet and uh it kind of this issue kind of ties the rest of the miniseries together the first two issues you're kind of like uh I don't get it. And then this issue, I was like, okay, now I got it. But Jamal can draw Supergirl. He could draw the new Batgirl and appearance by Catwoman. He could draw women by, and make them look sexy without making them look like trashy sexy. You know what I'm saying? Like, So you're saying that they look like they look MC Light fine and not Little Kim fine. <laughs> Did you just say MC Light? Yes, because MC Light is fine as hell, and she is in her 40s and is fine as hell. That is refined fine right there. L- little Kim is just a hot-ass mess. You're just going to make me Google MC Light and you, find a picture you, you of need, her right you now, need aren't to go, you? You need to go find a picture of MC Light, yes. All right, you talk. I'm going. I, I'm dead serious. You think I'm lying? I'm well, going, see, no, but I'm the thing is, I bet you if you do a Google search right now, MC Light, they'll, you'll find all those 80s pictures of MC Light, and you won't find current pictures of MC Light. I'm going to find pictures of MC Light right she, now. She is still fine. I don't care. You nobody talk about your next book. I'm looking. Oh, okay, cool. Don't, don't. <laughs> All right. Well, while you search for pictures of uh, current pictures of MC Light, it's I, MC Light. That's the that's the L Y T E. Uh, but anyway, um, come on now. I, I'm not that white. <laughs> Jesus. You know I have to do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> while you're looking, the the next book I'll talk about is uh, Cinderella from Fable Town with Love. It's uh, from Vertigo. It's a limited series. I read issue one. I've never read one issue of Fables, and I was able to follow this book to a T. It's written by Chris Roberson, uh, art by Sean McManus. Beautiful artwork. It is a um, a spy story set in the fa- in the uh, world of fables. Basically, uh, somebody's trying to either export in some magic or I guess like a handful of magical objects have been hopping in and out, uh, hopping in and out of the fables world. There's illegal magic trafficking in the world of fables between the world of fables and the real world and it's up to uh, Cinderella to uh, stop this uh, chaos from happening. Well-told story. There's a lot of narrative which I actually enjoyed, as well as, you know, solid dialogue, enough action. It ends on a cliffhanger, which sold me to get the second issue 
and I'm going to start reading the second issue probably after this recording. So, and because it's a Vertigo book, they pretty much condition you for the trade. So after I read the second issue, I would just wait for the trade. Beautiful book. I I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, I saw when that was solicited. I read all my fables and in, in trades, so I just figured, you know what? Instead of getting bogged down with another miniseries, I know it's going to be good. It's an interesting character for what they did with it, you know, in the main book. So I just said, you know what? I'll just wait. And you are right. MC Light is fine as hell. Queen Sonia number three. I'm just going to tell you this right now. And I think Mel Ruby, uh, I'm waiting for you to be a friend of mine on Facebook, dude. What, what What's up? What's the problem? <laughs> anyway. All right. Now, I really, I don't want to spoil this for you at all. So bottom line is, it this book is just banging from page one to the last page, dude. Just boom. I mean, art, story, colors, name it. And it's also one of the very few books that Dynamite puts out for two ninety nine. Really? Yes, sir. Yeah, I was thinking about picking this up in trade, and I was just like, you know what? Every issue makes me want to find out what happens so i've been actually running to the lcs to buy this i haven't even been pre-ordering it online because it's one of those books like when i'm doing my order online i kind of forget about and then i see like when i look and see what books are being released i'm like oh crap and then i have to run to the lcs and pick it up so anybody who likes uh, a good red sonia book queen sonia you can't you can't do any better than that i picked up a issue one on a whim because i saw the artwork by mel ruby i saw a preview somewhere and I just thought his artwork was just is very lavish, very beautiful, very well put together. I was like, I, you know, I've never really read any red, any Red Sonia before, but at the price, the price point for that first issue on DCBS a few months ago was real low. So I'm like, you know what? I'd be foolish not to try it. And I was able to thumb through it, but I haven't been able to read it. But it looks great, though. Yeah, you'll like it, dude. I'm telling you. And this dude could draw. Not only could draw women, he could draw the hell out of a fight scene. Yeah, I got I got to peep that then. I read Image United 1 and 2. I'm sorry. What? No. <laughs> I read Image United 1 and 2 the other day. Here's the thing. I want this to work. I really do. I want this story to work. And because it's uh, written by Robert Kirkman, artworks by Liefeld, McFarlane, Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, uh, and apologies if I forgot anybody else, but like, you know, the originators of Image. The issue with the issue with it I have is, is that because I was... I, you know, I was, I collected books in the 90s, but I didn't collect a lot of image books in the 90s. So there are a lot of characters and teams I don't really understand. Now, in the Image United books, they do have backups giving you some insight on some of the characters. I want this to be good. I really honestly want this to be good. The buildup has been very slow for two issues. And now they're coming out with a zero issue that breaks down the main character in the book, Fortress, and what Fortress is all about. Long story short, the end is near. Some big super bad is coming. Fortress, a dude that just acquired these superpowers somehow, and he's not really sure how he how he acquired them, but he has them. Is trying to keep you know images images of you know elite superheroes together in order to take out this bad guy. But then there's also this buildup because all the the big bads from the image universe, you know, are super strong, super powered, and 
and all this chaos is happening across the world, and so all the image heroes are trying to stop it. I mean, there's been a Super Patriot showed up. We've seen Young Blood, New Spawn, the old the well, Al Simmons, who's now this you know evil Spawn uh, or anti Spawn or something like that. I can't remember what that is specifically. There are some characters I think that are really cool, but I once again I wasn't that big into the image into the image books, so I'm trying to associate myself with some of these characters and some of these teams. But I honestly want to like it though. I really do, but the first two issues, eh, I'll yeah. give, I'll, I'll give, I'll check out issue zero and I'll check out issue three, and if it's if it doesn't do anything by by then, I'll walk away from it. I mean, I'm getting I'm getting the book inexpensively through DCBS, so it, it's it's okay. I mean, I'm trying to always you know try something new, try out the indies, you know, because Image technically I, you can call them an indie, but really you know they've been around long enough, they're big enough, they can they can sustain. But I do honestly want to like it, though. But right now, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, you know, I just, I didn't even have any interest in it whatsoever. I was never into any of the image characters. Like, I would pick up a an issue of um, Savage Dragon here or there. And it was, I mean, it was it was okay, but it was nothing I would, like, stick with. And I know there's people out there that love that series and, you know, you know, read what you like. It just wasn't for me. I like the, I mean, the, once again, as far as the artwork goes, you got all those different styles, which is kind of cool. I think what interests me most about the whole book is the collaborative process and seeing all these different artists put their touches on the book. I think that intrigues me more than the story itself. But at the same time, I tell myself, since I'm a writer, I want to get into the story, too. It's a very mixed bag for me and plus i mean like they're really bringing back the 90s doesn't every issue have like 19 different covers <laughs> yeah, they've got an, they've got like an assortment i th- want to say between four to six covers and you can put them all together to make one big uh like widescreen uh widescreen poster or something like that but no I, I don't need all 20 covers just give me one and let me read my story and it magically transforms you into 1995 <laughs> <laughs> no thank you fall down everybody's wearing battle armor for some reason <laughs> and pouches and pouches pouches and gun, and guns giant guns guns the size of yugos <laughs> um. well speaking of battle armor I want to talk about Classic G.I. Joe Volume 6. Now, this collects 51 through 60, which is this is the first time it's ever been collected, ever. And they, I'm not going to go through the whole the whole trade, obviously, but I just want to bring out some points where Cobra Commander gets his uh, battle armor. Oh, is that the uh, that white and silver? I mean, white and blue armor? It's silver and blue, yeah. Oh, silver and blue. Oh, sweet. And it looks like he's wearing a scuba. It looks like scuba gear for some reason. I don't know. But... <laughs> This introduces my favorite, favorite G.I. Joe character probably of all time, and that is Raptor. Oh, wait a minute. That's the dude with, like, the hawk mask and the uh, and the wings? Yeah. yeah. Why do you like this dude so much? Why wouldn't I? Come on, dude. <laughs> all right. I'm going to I gotta read this. Number one, he's living in a garage uh, <laughs> with a crimson guard who's undercover as a uh, mechanic and Cobra Commander and his son, Billy, go there and find refuge, okay? Raptor is actually an accountant who's working for... <laughs> yeah, I said it, an accountant, okay? And he's working for the Crimson Guard. And uh, I want to I read you this line right here that Raptor says. If this doesn't uh, tell you uh, why this book is awesome, then nothing will. And Raptor says, yes, I assure that... <laughs> 
<laughs> I assure you that my genetically improved falcons will turn the tide of Cobra history. Invincible feathered squadrons swooping from on high with razor talons. Are you sure that isn't from a Venture Brothers script book? Dude, I got it. It's right here on page 192. This is the best thing ever invented. This book also, this issue that I'm reading from, also you get the... This is the introduction of the trouble bubble. That's right. That's right. And uh, you want to know why he wears a falcon suit? Why does he wear a falcon suit? It's not because he's crazy, because he says that right here. It's The bird suit is for my falcons. It makes them feel more comfortable around me like a big brother or something. <laughs> You know, I can't wait to get my hands on that book. And somehow he uses falcons. Oh, I'm sorry. Genetically enhanced falcons. <laughs> this is why you read comic books. Yes. Talk, talking monkeys and genetically enhanced falcons. And if you don't, then you're a fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's the bottom line. And he's even driving a station wagon filled with falcons that says, caution, baby hawks on board. I'm not making this up. Who wrote this issue? There's just too much good stuff in here. I can't pass it up. I'm sorry if if, if this is a tangent and a half. I don't care. This is uh this is our pal Larry Hammer. Larry, you are a champ. You are, dude. Because <laughs> I got to tell you right now, you know, <laughs> you know, they were just like, all right, we got these toys coming out. Do what you can do. And uh, okay, so he has. They're they're looking for a GI Joe convoy. Okay, because they're going to attack it now. Raptor actually has the exact miniature model of the vehicles that this secret G.I. Joe convoy is using, and he has it on a string, and he whips it around in front of the Falcons so they could see what vehicle to attack, and they do. No. It's a secret convoy. How does he know which model to bring? <laughs> Best issue ever. I cannot believe and you know what's sad? I think I have this in floppy form somewhere in the attic. I have to actually go look. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect anything less, man. You are like the ultimate Joe collector. Well, I used to. I mean, a lot of that stuff's gone, man. But, I mean, I try to hold on to the comics. A lot of the toys of, I don't know. But I did have. But this is also um, introduces the Joe. What the hell is his name? The, the survival Joe. What the hell? Outback. Okay. Who basically, he looks like uh, Bob Seger with a t-shirt that says survival on it. Don't you love those Joes? Because the, the, there were a few Joes that had like the, like the t-shirt that either said like baseball. Who was the, yeah. Who, yeah. Uh, who was the Joe that had the machine gun that shot out baseballs? Hardball. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? <laughs> See, this is the era of G.I. Joe I love because it just went insane. Mm-hmm. This is just like we're trying to sell you every piece of crap toy you could possibly find. Or like Battle Force 2000? <laughs> there's there's actually issue number uh 60s in here and this is a this is actually penciled by a young Todd McFarlane. Cool. Uh, which is kind of cool and this introduces Lieutenant Falcon, Law and Order, you remember them? What is was Law and Order? Was that the guy and the dog? Yes, the MP and the dog. And okay. Lieutenant Falcon was like your he looked like Flint, but he's wearing like an ascot for some reason. Voiced by Don Johnson in G.I. Joe the movie. <laughs> I forgot. Chuckles is introduced in here. And uh some guy in some weird armor called 
fast draw. He's in a blast-proof suit. And these guys were supposedly on the G.I. Joe team, and then it turns out they were being used by the government. So they were just told they were on G.I. Joe, and they weren't really. So they captured Hawk at an airport because every general uses commercial airlines. I mean, that's a fact, right? As a matter of fact, I think on the way to Pittsburgh, I sat next to Colin Powell. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So they have this big fight with the Dreadnoughts, Monkey Wrench, and the pirate one, Zanzibar. (laughs) Zanzibar? That's his name. So Monkey Wrench, Zanzibar, Buzzer, and uh, Zartan's sister. Mm. And they they have a big drag-out fight, and uh, Buzzer leaves, and he goes to the Cobra Consulate building in New York City. Why wouldn't they have a consulate building? You know, G.I. Joe saves the day. And basically, Hawk is like, at the end of the issue, he's like, you know what? I know you guys kidnapped me from my commercial airline flight while I was sitting outside the airport. And you almost killed me in this crazy adventure, but you are all G.I. Joes now. And that's how they joined the team. Um, Was there a special guest appearance by Big Lob? (laughs) No, but I already pre-ordered a classic G.I. Joe Volume 7. Okay, sweet. And uh, this this is just filled with people with hoods on their faces on the cover. It, it, you got to let me know if Big Lob shows up because you'll get through those volumes quicker than I ever will. So if you see Big Lob, you have to let me know because Big Lob had an appearance in the G.I. Joe the movie, the animated movie. Never had a, never had a toy. Chuckles got a toy. Tunnel Rat had a toy. They left Big Lob on the bench with his basketball jersey. Better yet, who sends out a dude into war or battle in a basketball jersey and basketball shorts. I want to know <laughs> who in their right <laughs> mind would do that. Well, wasn't it Bazooka? Wasn't he the one that had the football jersey? Uh, he had he had like one of those 1970s football shirts that had a number on it, like right. like 14. <laughs> and they gave him a helmet. But see, at least he had a helmet and some like military pants. So I could I could I could pass that. See, that's passable. You know, that's more the uh, I guess the term nowadays would be street gear hero. But I'm sorry, a basketball jersey, he didn't even have a shirt underneath the jersey. A basketball jersey, a pair of basketball shorts, you have no gun holster. Where are you going to hold grenades? Where's your, where are you going to put a combat knife? That's why he's a specialist. No, that's why he's a dumbass. Because you don't know where he's hiding that stuff, but yet it's there. And I don't think you want the answer to that no, question. I don't want the Maybe it was in the socks. I don't know. You hope that's where I, it was. Yeah. See, you're, <laughs> wrong, you're just wrong. <laughs> And that's why G.I. Joe is the best comic book ever. It was, I think G.I. Joe is actually the best thing that was ever invented. I'm going to discuss a, a, a series of books, actually. These comics came uh, came out last year. It was uh, four one-shots uh, by DC Comics called The Red Circle, and it contained uh, The Hangman, Inferno, The Web, and The Shield. These are all one-shots. They're all written by J. Michael Straczynski, and these were introducing uh, the characters uh, that were under uh, license by, uh, by Archie Comics. And some of these characters have actually been printed by DC before, years ago. Uh, through the Impact Comics line, if memory serves me right. But now they're back again, and they're kind of trying to incorporate them into the DC Universe, but they've updated them as well. Now, the way these books read, they're all one-shots that came out in October. 
uh, October of 09, but the reading order, if memory serves me, is The Hangman, Inferno, The Web, and The Shield. I tell you what, I was impressed. I was really impressed by these books. I walked in, I just figured, oh, these books are going to be awful. And even though Straczynski was on them, I was like, oh, these can't be that good. No, dude, these were really good. My, my favorite books, The Hangman and The Inferno books were, were, were good. They weren't my favorites. My favorites were The Web and The Shield. The Web is kind of a cross between Booster Gold and Spider-Man. Yeah, Booster Gold and Spider-Man with like a little bit of a business intrigue. Not much, but just a little. And The Shield, which is kind of like a Captain America, Superman with, you know, more embedded mystery lying, lying underneath. Now, the artwork, the way the artwork went, The Hangman and The Inferno, like with The Hangman, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz did the inks. Um, and Tom Derenick did the pencils. And when you're reading it and you're looking it over, sometimes you get this like this Gene Colan vibe when you're reading it. And if it, yeah, yeah, you get a Gene Colan vibe when you're reading it. And then when you read The Inferno, that was a book that was done by Greg Scott on the artwork. Covers off the chain. I thought the artwork on the inside was cool, but I didn't think it meshed as well as the artwork for The Web and The Shield. Um, Roger Robinson and Hil Hilary Barta did the uh, artwork for The Web, and uh, Scott McDaniel and Andy Owens did the artwork for The Shield. These books are fantastic. Uh, I know The Shield and The Web have their own books now, and I'm going to have to start checking those out. They're worth it, man. I, I, I like these. I really do. Yeah, I read them all, and I've actually been getting The Web and The Shield monthly. Do you like them? Yeah, The uh, the Web story is kind of it's, it's dragging out a little too too long for me but i actually think they're getting another writer is it i think it might be matt sturgis so i'm sticking with it until then uh the shield's been really good it, yeah. it's very centered around the military and everything well i love that costume and then you know, yeah. there's, there's not i mean there's not much to it but still i love it. i love that costume well i i like the fact that they took him and changed him from the blatant captain america ripoff that he was mm-hmm and turn him into something totally different, which is really cool. Yeah, they turned you know? him into a badass. He he actually kind of reminds me of um, what what Commander Steel would be like now. You know what I'm talking about? The original. The original Commander Steel. No, I know what you're right. talking about. You're not yeah. talking about Steel from JLA Detroit. No, no. You, not, you, you, you not know, whiny Hank. No. no, no. You know, you know. Every time we talk, I have to plug at least JLA Detroit at least one time. You do realize this, don't you? It's your podcast, pal. Right. <laughs> you don't have to say it like. All right. That. All right. You don't have to you, say it like. That. You know how I feel. I, I know. I know how you feel. I, I mean, there were some good things that came out of it, but there wasn't much. Everything comes back to JLA Detroit, my friend. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> do have on my to read pile which actually isn't that bad because i've done it as you can tell by the stuffiness i haven't really been feeling well so i've been pretty much resting in bed and reading so this is what i have on my to read pile is i have the first trade of chew because i i heard so much good stuff about that i got the first trade for the unwritten i actually bought this on your recommendation like i, I read the first issue and i thought it was i thought it was okay, okay. you know but uh you were uh you were so psyched about it. I said, all right, I'll give it a whirl. Dude, I loved it, man. I loved the first two issues, and I cannot wait 
to get the trade. I can't wait. I'm about to. I'm about to. I think I'm about to get on a major vertigo vertigo kick in the next couple of months with uh, with Fables, the Cinderella trade, Madam Madam Xanadu, Unwritten. Um, this uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that this Joe the Barbarian book is good. House of Mystery is very good. Oh, word? Oh, yeah. I've been buying that in single issues. And I don't buy any Vertigo in single issues. That's the only one. Nice. I also have Northlanders, the second trade. I like the first one, so I figured I'll give it a shot, you know. Then I have Dark Horse Noir, a collection of crime comics. You got to let me know how that is when you're done with it, man. It's got a lot of good writers on it, so I figured I'd give it a chance. It's got Brian Azzarello, Ed Brubaker, you know, throw out some names that people would probably be most familiar with. And David David Laugham. Oh, Sean Phillips, Kerry Phillips, you know, from Criminal and all that. Uh, Fabio Moon. So, I mean, there's, a good, there's some good teams in here. I've heard different reviews. None of them said it was horrible. It's just I've heard from pretty good to so-so. And then, of course, I've got, still have the Savage Sword of Conan, Volume 1. I've got about another about halfway through, I got another 250 pages. Is that the original uh, Conan with uh, John Buscemo artwork? Yeah, this is the uh, the big oversized magazine that Marvel used to put out. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's got, actually, they they list a lot of the, uh, yeah, John Buscema, uh, Barry Windsor Smith, Jim Starlin did an issue. They have, co- and Al Malgram, sucker. <laughs> but, see, but see, there's a the thing, though. Al Milgram works in a book like Conan. I, I'm telling you, he works in a book like Conan. He does not work drawing 20 superheroes. <laughs> you know, I'm for real, man. I'm sorry, man. I know. I, I'm, only, I'm only kidding with you. I, I know. I know. I know. My bad. But I love John Buscema because, like, there'll be, like, issues. That it's just It's like all of a sudden he, he was before his time, man. Yeah. Because it's like John Buscema started a rap group. Because it'll say here, like, Art by John Buscema and the Tribe. <laughs> See, no, man, dude, that's all Stan Lee. Uh, that's, <laughs> that, that's just Stan Lee getting a bunch of people hype, you know, by giving folks nicknames like Jazzy John Ramita, you know, Jack King Kirby, John Buscema and N.W.A. Hey, you know, it, <laughs> it, it just works. It gets you hype. Uh, so what would Al Mulgram's nickname be? What was Stan's nickname for him? Huh? No, I'm just kidding. Uh- <laughs> no, man. No, don't get me. No, I'm not going there, man. I, I, you know, I've talked bad enough about Al Milgram. I already feel bad, man. I do. So I need to stop. <laughs> and all these have been written by the great Roy Thomas. That's my dude, man. Mine as well. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is available via iTunes, or you can go to pkdmedia.com to get our show, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, XO one on the Rock Solid Steelbots, Agents of Cult, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store, six days a week for free. And if you're on iTunes or our forum board, drop us a line or email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.